Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Uh, Blake, what is the most unhealthy thing you've ever eaten in your life? I may have eaten enough pimento cheese at Charleston to clog three out of four of my heart's arteries. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech director out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm Blake Hodges, and I'm here with my co-host and boss of the year, Toby Walters. Oh, boss of the year, huh? You know, 2021 results came in. Boss of the year still, I mean. So, kissing up to the boss now, or... I don't think you have a raise anywhere in your near future. You know, just more uh, pats on the back is what just I'm going for. Just some attaboys, that's what you're looking for? One a year, that's okay. what I need. So, uh, speaking of the most unhealthy things ever eaten. Now, I didn't eat this thing, and it's halfway through the story, so i got to start at the beginning. I'm just going to, I'm going to shock all of our hearts, like we're all going to feel cholesterol raising our bodies just hearing about this food. I don't know that I can take, I only have one heart artery left, remember? <laughs> I understand, this might... This might be it for you, Blake. Okay, here we I'm go. willing to take that risk. So obviously we buy gear from churches. Good buddy of mine is a pastor of a church down in Alabama. And they and we've had this happen quite a bit where churches will inherit buildings from other churches. Other churches will move out, go to a different location, and then another church will move in. And oftentimes they inherit the system, the audio, video, lighting, all that stuff. And so my buddy's church inherited this building with some gear, but they had come in with their own gear. So he messaged me and said, hey, do you want to buy some of this stuff? I said, absolutely. And one of the key things was an Allen & Heath iLive system. Oh, goody. So we get iLive quite a bit, and um, they're great systems. Um, they've been replaced with you know, DLive and some other new options these days. But this was like top-of-the-line stuff um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So he tells me, you know, this board is beautiful. It works absolutely perfect. Um, the church was using it the day we moved in. Essentially, we just uninstalled it, and it's been sitting in storage for eight or nine months. So I said, great. So headed down, bought the gear. We picked it up. Um, we sold it to another church in Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. I didn't know it had a jingle. No, oh, it does. Okay. So they had an iLive system, and then they wanted one for broadcast. So they wanted two iLives. And so I said, awesome. And so they bought it. And I thought to myself, you know, this has been sitting in church storage for a while since it's been tested. But my good, good buddy told me it works perfectly. So I'm like, mm, maybe I'll just fire it up in the shop one more time. And so I fire it up, and the, the screen on the mixer is just white. It oh, lights no. up. But it's just white. There's no data, no nothing. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, that doesn't seem right. Now, I know you know nothing about tech, Blake. Oh, I could have fixed it if I was with you. I know enough to be dangerous, but I know enough to like to turn on the mixer and then think to myself, maybe a white screen is not right. Doesn't sound pleasant. 
So I call up Alan and Heath Tech Support, and they tell me to try a few things. And eventually, we we get down to the the reality of the situation. Uh, the computer in that iLive is just dead. Oh no! Did you call Steve Jobs next? Well, it's not a Mac in there, unfortunately. So um, they said, you know, these things can happen if they're sitting in storage for too long. That computer simply can die out. Happens all the time. Some random part, you know, just goes. So it was. Let's start calling. Uh, dealers to see if anybody has the part. And we found one at full compass and the church is saying, you know, okay, if you can get it repaired, we can still do it. But like, we've got to have it by Sunday. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh goodness. This is crunch time. This is crunch time. So Nashville to Jackson, Mississippi, it's about a five hour drive. And I ask, well, where is the service center for Alan and Heath? And they say, Memphis, Tennessee. The Lord hath shine upon you. I mean, obviously it was the Lord's providence that he wanted this board fixed for this next church. So I look and it's like, instead of going straight to Jackson, I simply like take a right-hand turn, hit Memphis on the way. So we have the part overnighted to the service center of Allen and Heath. And I drive the board on a Friday morning out to Memphis to the service center. And I get there when they open at 9 a.m., Ooh, the owner of the company doing going the extra mile, you extra know, miles. Somebody's got to care for these churches, Blake. Mm-hmm. So I, I get there at 9 a.m. and they said, we'll have it done by 5 p.m. So I'm like, okay, what's there to do in Memphis? But it was technically over the state line into Mississippi. If you know where Memphis is, it's just like right on the border. Totally. Went through there a ton of times whenever I was doing my debate tournaments in college. So, I mean, one thing I got to do is get some lunch at some point. So my old friend Yelp is my answer to everything lunch-related. Yelp in Mississippi is, you know, a little bit different perspective than like Nashville foodie town. And so I, I find a barbecue place that has really good ratings. I think to myself, barbecue sounds good. You know, mm-hmm. it's the South. It's close to Memphis, yeah, barbecue. Yeah, they can't screw up barbecue. So I go to the restaurant and I walk in the door and my, uh, the first thing that should have set me off is the, the host at the stand said, you know, welcome, sir. Smoking or non-smoking. Mm-hmm. Get those lungs ready. Get your spare set of lungs. What? Is this like 1988? Like I didn't even know restaurants had smoking or non-smoking sections anymore. Welcome to the South California boy. So I said, please non-smoking. And I said, how far into the non-smoking section can you get me? Because I, I don't have any, like, I'm not saying a stance against smoking, but, like, I don't smoke. And so it, it's a lot for somebody it's, who doesn't smoke. It's not great. My wife is a nurse, and she's told me when your lung, the sacs in your lungs pop from smoking, they're gone. They don't regenerate. So That's unfortunate. It's, te- it's, 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 it's painful. So they seat me. They hand me a menu. And the first thing, I mean, Blake, you know me. What... What will I eat every single meal of the day if I can? Tacos on tacos. He likes a side of tacos with his taco. Exactly. And at taco places, they bring you chips and salsa to start with. So I'm a huge chips and salsa guy. But at this barbecue place, they said, we'll bring you out our free appetizer. And it's pork rinds. Okay. So pork rinds are, I guess, the southern version of chips and salsa? You know, no, I won't vouch for us at this point. This is probably, I'm going to blame this on Mississippi. So they bring pork rinds, and I'm looking at the menu, and I see sitting on the menu the most unhealthy thing I've ever seen in my life. 
It is a burger with pulled pork and bacon, but instead of buns, do you know what the buns are, Blake? I do because I'm seeing the doc, but I'm going to let you deliver the punchline that will punch people's hearts out and arteries along with it once they eat this. They are two glazed donuts. Please tell me you ordered it. Oh, no way. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, you're still alive. I'm still alive. Well, So the glazed donut burger is a real thing at this barbecue restaurant in Mississippi. Well, hang on. Now you distracted me. Did the Allen & Heath board make it? Well, you know, I had lunch. I ordered just some standard brisket or something. Yes, they finished the board. They even invited me into the tech shop. It was awesome. I got to sit and hang out with the tech. He kind of walked me through what he was doing, replacing the computer in there. It was done before 5 p.m., and I drove it down to Jackson, and it was it was set up for Sunday. Nice. It was amazing. So Allen and Heath for the win. Allen, we were big fans, big fans of Allen and Heath, and another big fan of Allen and Heath is our guest today. Let's see how she's going to lie to us. She's classically she's a classically trained musician. Lie. She, all right. She worked. <laughs> I'm calling it now. She worked at a church with the largest stained glass window in the world. Wow. So that would have to be in Florida because that's where the stained glass church is, or that's where the glassed church. Yeah, is. it wasn't stained glass. Uh, big I know. distinction. She was in a band that opened for Stevie Wonder twice. Twice? I want that to be true. I want it to be true as well. IT and production supervisor at a seminar for seven years. It's not a seminar. Read that again. Seminary. That's two very different things. Well, yeah, they're very different. I can't I can't put those together. Production manager for a funk and R&B band. Ooh, if that's true, our producer wants to hear some stories. I'd, yes, okay, gosh. All right, I've already got what I'm, I'm... I'm bad at this. I can't find the lie. I'm just starting to be hopeful on what's the truth. She did an ad campaign with Digico. Wait a minute. That's a competitor of hers. I mean, we haven't heard her accolades yet, but... Now introducing Samantha Potter. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for inviting me. This is fun. This is already so much fun. Good. We aim to please, Samantha. And there will be a donut burger in it for you if you make it through the episode. I want to eat that. Um, I don't know I that you try. do, but... I'd go there. I'd, I'd do it. Do you, do you think you could put it down in one sitting? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not eating for the rest of the day, but I, yeah. I think I could do it too, but I definitely would need a nap... Um, I don't know, at the end of it. Okay, let's find I need a doctor sitting there next to me. Like a, an ambulance. <laughs> Have you seen waiting. the heart attack grill? Like a donut burger is nothing. What's the heart attack grill? Oh, I'm going to blow your guys' minds. Okay, you'll have to, after we're all done here, you'll have to go look at it. But it's a restaurant uh, in Old Vegas um, on Fremont Street. Okay. Uh, and they basically make you wear hospital gowns when you eat. And they're against vegetables. Like the vegetarian Who item isn't? they have is cigarettes. Like it's, it's like, you know, they have butter milkshakes and the, it's just wow. like the most insanely unhealthy thing you've ever seen in your life. I need you to go look at it and then like email me and tell me your thoughts because the donut burger will seem so mild in comparison. I'm so scared for humanity in this time. <laughs> yeah, I do love. Anyway, oh man, the, the hold on. The, the best part of the restaurant is if you're over 350 pounds, you eat free. And there's a big scale out front that they'll weigh you wow. on to see if you hit that. So I, I think this know. is what our forefathers died for. The freedom that we enjoy is to eat at this restaurant. 
as a health choice in a nation, I mourn for us. As a brand, at least they went all in. I mean, the scale in the front. They're doing great. That's funny. Okay, we got to figure out this lie, Blake. All right. I think she was a classically trained musician. I mean, that seems believable, but maybe she's, you know, throwing it in there as like... The it class. seems like the the least likely to be alive. Isn't classically technically like a you know violin and it's for years and years like one of those. It's not like piano and guitar, right? No, it means like she went through classically training, like a university that does classical style training. It's not the it's not what you're thinking of like orchestral music. It's okay. you know rather than taking lessons at a local music store, she went to a university, a conservatory. She could have been in that. Like doing those trainings though, when she was also opening for Stevie Wonder, maybe this was some part of like a. That's true. I feel like, like Stevie wouldn't. She just wouldn't let her open if she wasn't classical. I love this. I'm love just watching these. Like. I think she did. <laughs> the do logic it. you're drawing. I yeah, you, you're seeing it. our brains work, but it's it's a scary. They I'm, don't work often, but when I'm they gonna do. I'm going to go with the largest stained glass window, and I feel like she probably worked at a church with a really big one, but the largest one in the world would that not be you know in Italy somewhere? <sighs> you know what. I am sadly going to have to agree with Toby. I hate to do it, but I think he's nailed it. I'm going to go with him on this. All right, Samantha. All right, you're you're both voting uh, stained glass window. We well, yes. are final answer. Okay. Do I? Am I revealing it? Yes, now? you are revealing the lie about yourself. Okay. The lie is uh, the band I was in opened for Ringo Starr twice. Oh. Uh, and we also opened for Paul Simon and uh, Keith Sweat. What so. band was this? This is the same Funkin' R&B band that is later mentioned. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. No, the stained glass window, uh, it's absolutely insanely large. And it was made by people in Italy. So Okay, I was half right. Um, and they shipped it over? In like in 160 pieces. pieces okay. like, and uh, where plates. is this? It's um, here in Kansas City. And it's like absolutely gorgeous. Like each plate is, I think like... Uh, probably I think it's like three by five or something like that feet, and there's like 160 or 170 of them. I mean, it's like Jesus is in the center, and it's like it, it's a monument. It, it is gigantic. It was a huge deal. We got to put in, oh, maybe like four or five years ago at this point. Do you have a photo of this by chance on your phone anywhere? Because if so, I mean, I'm I w- on my computer. I so would post this whenever your episode comes out. That is very cool. Um. A reason to go to Kansas City, apparently. Well, I was in Kansas City for a gear pickup. (laughs) Yeah, where did you go in Kansas City, Blake? Do you even remember? My memory is like a goldfish. I go to so many churches at this point, I can never remember. Um, Now, uh, Kansas City barbecue versus Memphis barbecue. Ooh, Samantha, yes, give us your take. Yeah, Uh, Obviously, Kansas City barbecue is the best. Um, I can't help... Memphis is like between Texas and Kansas City barbecue, is it not? So, It's um, sweet barbecue, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a like a sweeter, more brown sugar um, barbecue. Uh, definitely not vinegar. Well, that's that's gross. But y'all are so observant. I, I've just every time I've eaten, I didn't even been like food, food, food. Okay. Don't. Okay. I just dropped this picture in the link because it has three people standing next to some of the panes. Okay. Um, wow. Hopefully, and I think that that will take you. Okay. Hopefully, I can look at. Oh, this it takes you to after. A and can we put this in the show notes, Blake? I would like to, yes, to get this. Well, I'll, I'll we will do that. This, this bad Why boy. Not? Okay, well, tell us okay, about. Okay, yeah, if you open that up, yeah, you can. It, it's it shows little people next to it. Okay, well, tell us about the the funk and R and B band. Yeah, so um, I was with a is a local band 
uh, here in Kansas City. And um, they've been going on for they were together for years before I joined and they're still going after uh, since I've left. Uh, but I was with them for maybe like six years. It was an eight piece. Uh, it was two vocalists, uh, keys and synth, drums, uh, sax, trumpet, uh, guitar, and bass. And we'd occasionally have a few people, you know, uh, come in and hang out uh, or uh, play with us. But we'd play uh, all over. We played in uh, Oklahoma, Missouri, uh, on the Kansas side, uh, all over the place. And so for a while, uh, when these big acts would come through Kansas City to play at Starlight, they'd have uh, bands open up from them from the area. And we got picked for a lot of the funkier <laughs> uh, nice acts that came through. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, got free tickets to see the show afterwards. And, and yeah. And you were production manager? I wish it was Stevie Wonder, though. That was... Hmm. You were production manager? Yep. I did lights, uh, sound, their monitors. It was like a whole... We had a whole uh, system like we could roll up into a trailer and take with us. So uh, PA board everything. So that's great. Touring life. That's fun. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so as the production manager, um, what like we hear a lot about like musicians touring. Tell us about like touring as a or going to those different stops as a production manager. Like what's the, the hardest thing about that or the thing you wouldn't think of if you didn't do it? Oh man. Um, really while I was in it, the hardest thing was like the really late nights and then it turning right around and being at church, uh, to do like mixing or something at like 7am. So I might get home at 3am and I have to be someplace at seven or seven thirty the following morning, like across the city. Uh, that was always so hard. <laughs> um, but it was all kind of fun and worth it. You know, the mixing is always the, the icing, on top. Uh, but it's kind of the reward. Like you set up the whole system, you go through that pain and then you get to mix the band. Yeah. It's oh, like yeah. it's all worth and it. And there was a moment. couple of, yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of places that in particular were just like, I've played in my fair share of casinos and uh, that smoking is like, you guys were talking about that uh, before. It's like, I'd come home like caked in the cigarette smell so I totally vibe with wanting to sit as far away from them as possible. So you can Im immediately tell if their ventilation system needed changing because it was like a lot murkier. <laughs> ah, I see. So then that was uh, that was the the band life. Well, what now? I think we're kind of in the middle of your story now because I'm wondering what got you started in tech. Um, being behind a mixer was it was it at church? Was it was it that the production manager? I mean, that would be a big step for the first one. Yeah. So. It, Kind of weird, kind of not weird. So one of my one of my truths was that I was a musician and I am classically trained. I didn't go to a conservatory, but from the time I was, oh Lord, how I think I was maybe eight. I had to have been like nine or something like that. Nine uh, through high school, uh, did I started on violin and I picked up upright bass uh, along the way, and I did jazz and theory and all that good stuff um, and had a lot of fun. And I got into computers at some point. Uh, back when the internet was still fun and uh, more of the Wild West. <laughs> was that uh, I got into that <laughs> early, early 2000s. Um, when was the internet and, fun? Uh, you know, before Google owned YouTube, uh, yeah. before uh, Facebook was really taken off, those those things. Um, 
And uh, so I got into computers and I I loved music, but I didn't see myself doing it as a profession. Um, I had like weird anxiety around auditions and it just didn't seem like (laughs) that was, I was going to easily get over that. So I did kind of the next best thing, which was like mushing computers and music together. And that's sort of how I found a computer. Yeah. But you just push them together. Yeah. Just, yeah, physically mush <laughs> with your Is hands. that a Kansas city um, mushing? <laughs> no, I'm not familiar heard, with that. Have you never heard mush? No. Oh, that's like a total thing. Is yeah. that a Southern thing? Maybe yeah. that's a generation. I'm from the West coast <laughs> and I'm old. Yeah. So you just called me old. Thank you. Well You're done. Right. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you just uh, mooshed them together and now it's, mushing. I just sort of fell. I said moosh, moosh, mush, same thing. Um, I love and, it. I uh, love it. Yeah. So how'd you put them together? Yeah. So I like Googled something and, you know, I started getting into studio stuff. So I worked in a studio for about a year immediately after high school. Um, an owner took me under his wing and uh, taught me a lot. And uh, after that, I went to a local community college and they had a program, a certificate program. And I just thought, hey, let's see if I'm missing anything or at least meet other people uh, who are interested in the same stuff. And I ended up uh, learning some stuff, but because I already had work experience, whenever one of the faculty members got a job uh, offered, they passed it to me because I was already working. And so uh, I immediately got to just have more work doing more things. And they said that we should give Life Sound a try. Uh, and I did. And I fell in love with it. Uh, and I've been in it ever since. And how that transitioned into uh, church work is... Uh, a former student uh, and myself had a, a professor in common, and uh, he worked at a very large church, and he was looking for some some help doing some stuff. Uh, and I said, yeah, let me. this would be a job. It's kind of in my field. I would learn a lot. It was handling production and IT stuff, um, a little bit of a little bit of both. And I, then I ended up being there for seven years. So uh, and I just left them. Uh, to come to Alan and Heath. So that's awesome. I want to get back to Alan and Heath. Um, going back in your story a little bit, the community college, um, like a was that like audio engineering degree or like general production? Yeah, it was um, a recording certificate. And then at, on my like last year there, they introduced a live soundtrack uh, for it. And uh, I took it again at that point. I'd already been developing my career. It was for funsies, but it was fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it was just a, just a, just a certificate, uh, music and audio technology kind of specific. So. so I'm in a family of doctors, um, and not the, not the kind you see on TV, like the lame kind. So my older brother and sister both have a doctorate and if they're listening, that's fine. You're lame. I'm cool. And so, uh, <laughs> my parents like to give me grief cause I, I don't have a four-year degree, but I say, hey, I have an AA, and it was in you know recording technology, audio engineering at a community college. And there was one girl in our program, and she was awesome, and she was probably the smartest one of all of us. But I need to ask your opinion as a girl. This was, I don't know, you guys have said it, I'm old. This was like 50 years ago. I asked her on a date, and she said yes, but she instead of me taking her out somewhere, she said, well, why don't you just come with me to Sunday night service at my church? 
That's a great date. It, Samantha, is that a blow off or was she just trying to be nice? No, that's not a blow off. You sure? I don't think that's a blow off. That was the last yeah, date like we you should had. come with me to Sunday night. Start. I mean, what makes you feel like it was a blow off? Because that was the last date we had. Did, well, because did you go? You could have married that girl. I mean, it's a good thing you didn't marry that I girl. I did not marry that girl. Yeah. I married my wife. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm feeling a little encouraged. Thank you for. Yeah. I know. I don't think I don't do not think that was a blow off because if I wanted to blow somebody off, I, it would I wouldn't t- ask them to go meet me someplace. I, I wouldn't go put myself in a physical location with them. So Mm-mm. no way. But I feel like Sunday night church is the like least. That's safe. You're going to murder me the least amount in a church. <laughs> Samantha, so. you're my favorite. I'm constantly trying to teach Toby how to not get murdered he'll go into people like this is back in the day before church gear going to people's houses to get gear and i was like stop going into people's houses you're gonna die yeah, Blake, have i ever been married or murdered not yet but thank goodness because <laughs> i'm here to protect him now none of us have been murdered yeah. yet luckily okay oh. let's let's fast forward back to the end of your story so you're currently working for alan and heath what do you yeah. do with alan and heath tell us about this yeah so uh, i work for alan heath usa and essentially, kind of in a, in a nutshell, uh, I help manage or oversee Alan and Heath's uh, endeavors here in the United States for commercial and install endeavors and applications. Now, what that like actually means? Yeah, give us uh, the like break that that definition yeah, into like this is the real. A little bit, yeah. In sort of essence, uh, I help the UK where Alan and Heath is based in. Uh, based from, I help them understand the U.S. market, and I help the U.S. market understand Alan and Heath. So you're a translator. That is with, yeah, I'm a translator. I help with uh, designs, helping them change their technologies, or making sure, like, hey, like, can I? Is this a possibility? Or if I wanted to achieve this, how do I do that? Or hey, we're coming out with this new product, or we're working on a new firmware update, like. How do, will the U.S. market see this? Like, what's important to them? You know, what do we need over here on this side of the pond? Those kinds of conversations. Okay, so I'm fascinated. Um, I, I came from an agency background, so I understand of, like, marketing agency. I understand, like, sometimes people speak the same language, but, like, roles are different, and they got to communicate. Oh, yeah. We talk about that all the time on this pod with uh, worship leaders and techs. They got to communicate. So what's mm-hmm. some? how do you keep your your finger on the pulse of the U.S. I mean, to have to speak for a whole country, that's pretty intimidating. Like, what is that like on the day-to-day when you're talking about that kind of stuff? A lot of it is keeping good relationships with, like, our rep force, the integrators and dealers, people who are using our equipment, is hearing about their experience and going and seeing them, uh, visiting their projects or what they've done, their venues, um, seeing how things are being done, uh, writing down and keeping lists of things that people want that maybe it doesn't do, but like, man, this would be so cool if if we could do this. And keeping a list of that and their name so that if and when we do create that, I can go email them back and say, hey, we did this. Like, this one's for you. Like, <laughs> here's this feature. Here's what you were looking for. Um, that and just being out there. Uh, the relationship is such an um, relationship with people are, are so important. And I talk about that a lot, um, especially in regards to church work and and audio engineering, because we have to have, that's everything. Communication in our relationships with people are everything. So are you uh, traveling to churches a lot or just a lot of Zoom calls? Or do you get to travel to the UK? I haven't gone to travel to the UK yet because I joined the team um, in 2020. So it was in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, something so was happening been, in 2020, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> it was forever ago at this point. Um, it, but it is on our docket. We're going to try to go visit the factory this year. Um, but I do get to travel around and visit 
all sorts of stuff, um, doing fun things. It can be exhilarating. Sometimes I'm gone for 48 hours and it's like a hard 48 hours. Mm. Um, or sometimes I'm gone for, you know, this whole like Nam Infocom thing coming up in June is going to be brutal, like a brutal three weeks. <laughs> so uh, it's fun, though. I enjoyed it a lot. And what percentage of Alan and he stuff is made in UK? Um, all of it is designed um, and it makes its way th- into the UK. But like some things like like the chips, like just can't be made with the speed and accuracy that they can in, in other countries. And so it's sort of like the brand is growing so much in the last couple of years. Like you have to outsource where you can. So mm. most things uh, go through the UK, though. OK, and let's talk about chips, because everyone's talking about the chip shortage. But I hear everyone oh, God, yeah. saying you know, Yamaha and Digico when they're saying chip shortage. Is Alan and Heath in the exact same boat? Or do you guys have a little better situation? Everybody is being hit with this. And I'm talking everybody in the industry, in and out. Audinate's getting hit really, really. This is a very bad year um, for Audinate, unfortunately. And by extension, now Yamaha, because Yamaha's infrastructure, they, they said, we're going Dante. And that would have been a great decision if this year hadn't happened. <laughs> so uh, it's it's hitting us. We're like, you know, doing the best that we can to source pieces as uh, chips and getting things in and running. But the good thing and the bad thing, I guess, really, is that everybody's being hit kind of equally. Uh, and so it's not like Digico's dropping the ball and nobody else is. It's like we're all like stuck waiting because not only is there a chip shortage, but it's like logistical nightmares. Um, our poor regional sales managers, their whole job now is just thwarting <laughs> uh, painful conversations because it's like stuff's just like not getting here on a boat. Like how do you go? You can't go fix that yourself. I like you guys need your own boat. boat. Yeah. It's time to start manufacturing you know, boats. Jokes about that. Well, okay. So Maybe the simplest answer is it just is a supply chain issue or it's just, uh, you know, chips being weird. But like, is it even yeah. deeper than that? Is it that is it that the factories have stopped making chips for everyone or like because of COVID and all that? Or did they like not sign? Did they sign deals somewhere else? And suddenly like y'all, everyone needs a new chip manufacturer. Also, if this. Oh, gets, yeah. No, okay. Samsung said we're good and just stopped manufacturing a chip that everybody was using. So like suddenly, like th- like years ahead of projected when they were supposed to stop, like that's and then suddenly. So there was the uh, the fire in uh, late 2020. And then there's this thing where Samsung. Could, yeah, no, we're good. And so it's Samsung's you know, there's rumors fault. going around that, like it's a lot of things happening at once, sort of like uh, the planets aligning in the worst possible way. Uh, but a lot of the manufacturers are, are in everybody's favorite word is, is pivoting. Like we've been working on um for a while now, just like redesigning certain chipsets so we can get things up and running. But if you pull the rug out from underneath everybody who is expecting stuff, you know, it hurts. It sucks. Yeah, it's tough for that stuff after you got all your best laid plans. Okay, Samantha. So we we buy used gear from churches and we get a ton of Allen and Heath stuff, like, you know, starting with like the GL series all the way up to you know, mm-hmm. a lot of iLives, SQ, and we haven't bought any DLives yet because, I mean, everybody's still just putting them in. Um, where, like, is there a place in the Allen and Heath history where your your heart just got stuck? You loved that series or that board? Ooh, I, I this is this is not a cop out answer. 
Uh, but truly, my heart right now is just with the AHM series. Like, it's kind of my baby. And the first one came out like a couple months before I joined the team. Um, it was a big reason I was I got brought on to help oversee this this side of the market. But um, I like really love that thing. And we just released two smaller versions of it. And I don't know, I can't help but have like <laughs> a weird emotional attachment uh, because there's like a little there's a little bits of me in it. So and where are you seeing where are you seeing that thrive? Is it houses of worship? Is it clubs? Is it other things? Uh, houses of worship is a really big one because houses of worship are so um, versatile. Like there's so many different things and there's so many things that change from week to week. So it sits well in my mind uh, between like more traditional AV installations and where like production venues are, which is totally houses of worship where we maybe have um, a whole sanctuary, like really decked out uh, doing things and it's handling the PA and the distribution, but that same unit is also handling all the all the kids' classrooms uh, and the cafe and all that other stuff. So it's yeah, houses of worship is a big one. And I feel like you know if you have sort of the idea in your mind of if you go into a convention center or a you know professional situation, like in my mind, I, they're going to have a Yamaha. And if you're in the touring world, like they're going to have a Digco or Midas. And if you go into a church, you're probably going to see an Allen and Heath. Do you feel like you know that's where you guys have focused, and that's been your biggest fan base? And it's okay if it's not, but we're very curious. Yeah, no, for a little while, yes, it has been very intentional because when it started with the queue, we gave some features that were really, really requested for people who had volunteers, as in the ability to like lock out certain things so that you could only access what you need when you walked up to it. There's not a lot of consoles that do that. So it started with that and it the love within the Houses of Worship community with Alan Heath has just grown uh, substantially and that's great. But I also think that, you know, houses of worship just uh, care, just care. Uh, they're, they want their uh, stuff to sound good. They want it to last a long time. They want it to be user friendly, uh, but flexible. And so uh, to say that we were just like, whoa, like, I mean, that's not true. We knew like where the value was. And do you think it's the British influence? I mean, all church music came from Britain ultimately. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it did. It must uh, be that. I guess you could argue that. Toby, uh, yeah. I think you should talk about your connection to the Pro Sound Web and Church Sound Magazine. Not you, Toby. Oh, me? Yeah. You grew up reading oh, Pro totally. Sound Web. So like, and Samantha, tell me, your, your accolades and like all the stuff you're involved in is like a lot. Like honestly, when I was looking you up, I thought there has, there has to be two Samantha Potters because she's doing so much. Well, she, she definitely can't be 29 years old if that this is all too. true. You're making me look terrible because we're only one year apart. Yeah. You're Blake way has more zero accolades. So, so you should tell her, though, how you grew up reading Pro Sound Web. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I remember being a teenager and starting doing sound at the church, and it'd be like Mix Magazine and Pro Sound Web and all these publications, and I'd just be sitting there eating dinner with a magazine in front of me, just looking at gear. I mean, quite honestly, I would say church gear, obviously the Lord has wanted this company to exist, but like it really doesn't exist without that Pro Sound Web magazine dinner time time. And aren't you, you're involved with Pro Sound Web, so tell us about that. Yeah. Well, so firstly, there is actually a second Samantha Potter. She was just on, she doesn't, it's, she's not in this field. She's like, was on America's Next Top Model or something in like 2004. So you should just tell people that's you. <laughs> there you go. You're both. <laughs> that's me. I was actually 12. I know I looked a lot. Um, oh, there we go. There. The timeline. Uh, 
but yeah, Prosen Web. So uh, I've been an author with them um, for years now, but I've been a senior editor with them since probably 2000. Oh, what year is it now? Probably 2016 or 2017. I joined their editorial staff. Back when the um, internet and was fun. Now, <laughs> back when the internet was fun. It was less fun at that, and in that decade. Um, but now I oversee all of our House of Worship development and Church Sound Magazine specifically. So, how do you have yeah. time for that? And Alan and Heath, I'm not being facetious. Well, like I'm serious. Like how how do you have time <laughs> for all of that? Uh, one, you have to be like good at. I have to stay on it with scheduling and things like that. Uh, but Alan and Heath is my like daytime job uh my normal sort of they pay 7 30 to 4 30 thing yeah yeah it pays the bills and everything that i do with pro sound web is on a contract basis like i'm not technically an employee with them and i do it either after work or when i've got some spare time or when i'm you know on a plane or i'm being driven someplace uh, i can do stuff that way um i've just gotten very efficient and in doing it and it's not like i did but I started both of these jobs at the same time. Uh, that would be in- insane. But it was like I learned one, na- like got that whole rhythm down, and then I changed main jobs and got adjusted to that. So now it's just a, you know, an excellent juggling. And do you have a piece or an article that you could say like I'm most proud of this, or this was one of my favorites? Hmm. Ooh, um, maybe my first one. And it was the first one that they ever published was a piece of mine that was um, about like trying to establish a day rate and not like trying to like assign some kind of a number or a formula, because whenever you search for something like that, you can never you never get a straight answer. Uh, And so I sought out to just kind of do that to to provide what i could not myself find did you come Um, up with a number like maybe not your personal number i mean i know what you're charging us to be on this podcast and it's it's hefty (laughs) but it's a thousand dollars uh every five minutes (laughs) Mm, i'll be waiting for that check um yeah it's um and this was in 2015 i think so the number would be should be different now but it was something like Minimum wage plus $5 or twice minimum wage starting for your first year. And then after your first year, it was like twice minimum wage plus something, something dollars per hour. I'd have to like go look at it and adjust it for today's bucks. But because now if I, if somebody asked me, I get asked all the time by churches, Hey, we're looking to hire a sound person. What should we be paying them? And I say like, yeah, I probably wouldn't go less than $20 an hour just to be respectful of people's time and, if you pay more, you will, you'll get somebody who probably knows what they're doing. So You get what you pay for. Exactly. Yep. Well, going back to the magazine, though, do you feel like you have a pulse on like the next generation coming up just from working with them and talking with them at all? Um, like are they, because Toby came up reading a magazine on the table. Do you feel like the new generation is just consuming the crap out of the online content and then are they getting into tech even quicker? I don't know. It's kind of hard because the whole fad, you know, holding things in your hand means something different. Like now, uh, everybody, young people, you know, want things digitally and they're kind of used to having this constant, um, almost like an affront, like <laughs> being attacked with information. Uh, and we're trying to evolve to go into that. So we're creating more online content and, you know, we're working on a couple of projects to make things more accessible to people. And so, on one hand, like the, the young people who really want the next generation who really want the information are eating it up. 
uh, because there's just not a lot of publications like ours that are, you know, reputable and like mm. bother to fact check anything. Um, but then there's also like, if you don't want to read it, you're not going to like, I still meet plenty of young people that have never heard of, you know, press and web, or it's just not in their what? circle. Uh, so. I mean, if, if anyone can <laughs> give an, can give a shout out for pro sound web, I mean, Toby's, only does it starts a whole company because he read it so just you wouldn't have a job you'd probably be homeless if, i'm serious yeah if i wasn't reading pro sound web growing up I, this is all like we're all laughing but if you track the literal trajectory of his yeah. life like that was a big deal that was a big help and i'm pretty sure that was samantha's first article oh yeah well yeah i mean she, she was one year old her last name is potter <laughs> she obviously has a time turner that's how she's able to mm-hmm. get all these roles in obviously. do all this stuff yep um, oh, you know oh, what? I hadn't thought about that, but I love that. <laughs> that that's your. That's how you do it. Okay, Samantha. Yep. Um, you're a woman. You're in tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm yes. sure you get this this question a lot. Like, there's not many women in it tech. Does come up. And you know, for young girls that they're thinking, like, you know, I could do the traditional like girl things, but like, man, like the audio mixer looks amazing. Like that stuff looks super fun. I want to operate cameras. I want to, you know hang lights and do all that stuff like how do you encourage them to get into the industry yeah i i try to do my share of you know mentoring and um i'm really involved with sound girls so uh um, what is that doing my part there. tell us about that is that a superhero yeah, club well, sound girls if for the uninitiated is a non-profit organization whose job is, has just been trying to get more women to join the audio engineering industry and i think they started in about 2012 or 2013 um, and they just had a virtual conference in December and they do all sorts of events and trying to get more women, women involved. Um, so when I'm encouraging young women or girls to get involved, it's really kind of just trust me, like we're out there, you have to just dive in. Uh, and when you get to a certain age for some reason and there, we could, that's a, this is a whole rabbit hole we could go down, but usually young men really overestimate what their abilities are or what they can do, but what? they're just willing to like Never. go for it. This that is, sounds exactly like Blake. It. She's totally right. Yeah. I'm all the confidence in the world. None of the skill no. you're, you're tracking perfectly. Yeah. But that I almost would argue that that's the better option rather than um, over knowing way more than you maybe need to, but not having the like gumption to just like go for it uh, because Young women in America, at least, are really taught and praised for not painting outside the lines. Many studies show that, you know, young men or or little boys are just kind of encouraged to, like, not actively break things, but it's like this fearlessness of, like, mistakes are okay and it's fine and you're going to grow up and things are going to be great. And I don't know if we're pushing that same itinerary on on young girls. So it's really about – and this is something I've had to teach myself – was like mistakes are okay. They don't define you. Um, they're absolutely necessary, and it's it's okay to not know everything. It is okay. Like you just have to go for it. Absolute worst case, like there are networks of people like me or Sound Girls or even folks like you where you can go and get the information. It's so accessible. Like the the highest people in this field are so accessible. I could like go email Bob McCarthy right now. Like you know, the godfather of system engineering. I could go email him right now or may Facebook message him for goodness sakes. No other field has that. Like where we get to the top, the top of everybody just got click away. So. And now as you're, you know, mentoring and offering 
countless wisdom to these young girls, you can say, and if that weird dude in your audio class asks you on a date, just invite him to Sunday night church. Like that's the nice way to blow him off. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe we're still here. Um, I'm a little bitter, you know? There I, was no other date. Toby, your your life worked out amazingly. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, and sorry if that like question is weird. I'm sure you get it all the time, but whenever I was making our guest list, I was like really psyched when you said yes because I was it's all dudes. It was all dudes. So I was like, "Ah, yes." I mean, in your defense, there's a lot of dudes out there. So like a lot of my guests have also been dudes. Uh, A lot of our contributors are dudes and I do my best to find women contributors to find uh, women as guests and they're out there. Um, I, you just, it's all about sitting there saying, I want to go find this and going and finding it. I'm just Um, really happy. We're, we're bringing back the word dude. There we go. We've lost it. It never left my vernacular. I was, (laughs) Oh, that's a big word. You, that word's too big for dudes. Don't know that word. Yeah. Sorry, bros. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and I love your point about just being okay to have mistakes because if I've learned anything over this podcast, it's that whenever people are first getting into mixing, it's like you're flung to the wolves and you just have to figure it out. And if it goes bad, it's okay. And you just keep going. Mm-hmm. Like that does seem very common. Um, so that's great encouragement. Yeah. If I don't get anxiety, like right before an event starts, like I'm going to be bored. The anxiety knows I'm, I'm, is telling me my discomfort means I'm growing. And so I try to lean into that. So then techs are adrenaline junkies. I've been building this narrative in my head. You guys kind of like the chase or you all like the chase. Like you want the moment yeah. where you're like, ah. You have to be because it'll eat you alive otherwise. Like it'll just kill you because it's extremely stressful. <laughs> oh, man. That's in, that sounds that's too intense for me. There's, that's why I'm not a tech. Okay. So working for Alan and Heath, you're installing systems, you know, all over the country. Um, do you have something recently where you like, I walked into this, you know, church or situation, whatever it was. And I was like, wow, this is a setup. Like you were just, you saw Mm. a setup that you really enjoyed or something fun or weird or like, why is that there? Let's see. I'm trying to think I've it's they all start to kind of oh you know what okay so this was not while I was at Allen Heath but this was only a couple of years ago uh, I went into a church to um, look over their system measure it see what was going on it sounded very bad <laughs> when I went to go I the first thing I usually do when um, I'm uh, hired like a freelancer like that is I'll go like attend a service and watch what they're normally doing because that a lot of times problems can be fixed without swapping any gear out um, but it was, it was quite bad. Um, and then I went and checked out their like little rack, which hadn't been touched since like nine 11. Oh, um, wow. it was like early two thousands. Um, so, you know, it had been nearing 20 years at that point. Uh, and it was like every piece of gear in the rack was like clipping. <laughs> and I was like, so has anybody like touched this or they're like, nope, nope. Why? And I was like, well, there's a lot of red lights on here and. Uh, I'm sure if you turn this down, it Red might sound a bad. little bit better. Red lights are bad. And then like one of their speakers was blown. Like it was just kind of a hodgepodge. And, you know, it, it had been clear that they had been on volunteer power alone for 20 mm. years um, and didn't have a chance to, to bring anybody in. So it's stuff like that. And, I, you know, you see a, everything in between there. And the, the, I've also, you know, been and worked at churches that had, you know, quarter of a million dollar systems installed. And also didn't sound good. I'm just so. imagining the sound girls with capes, like going out to all these churches and Fix just like all. superhero moment, fixing the situations. Yes. Do you feel like Love a superhero it. in those moments? Or is it really tough when you have to like give the news that, hey, leaving this un, un, like 
unattended for 20 years doesn't work, I'm going to have to tell you that this is, this is broke or this is like not working. There is, I suppose, a little bit of a superhero bit to it, but it's because when that does happen, I'm I'm being asked to come in. So they know something's wrong. <laughs> and so by the time they're coming to me, it must be it must be bad. Uh, so walking in and at least I can give them a list of things like, Hey, try these three things, or let me have a teaching session with your crew to help them understand the equipment better. That goes a really long way. Um, and just fixing a few things, people like plans of attack. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm able to just write down, here's three things like go for it and then see how you're doing. Um, it's not a huge, well, your whole system's blown and exploded and you're going to need, you know, $40,000 to fix that. Cause I just know most churches like don't have that. And $2,000 might be a huge purchase for most churches. So we've seen that we've seen the full gamut from the low to the high. Speaking of things to help a church, um, you know, this podcast, we do it for church texts. Um, we're trying to take them out of the booth onto the stage. Like you've, you know, seen that whole life as well. So with your time as, um, being a production manager, what, uh, tech takeaway would you give the audience today in terms of like, you know, this always made my, uh, my mixing better, or it was less stressful, or it can be philosophical too, like this principle or way that you did things, just essentially stuff off the beating path. Everyone's already got their checklist, best practices. What's something that you feel like was specifically yours? Specifically mine. So I guess I kind of have two things. One that is actually useful um, is kind of on that relationship sort of vein, I guess, uh, is I try to, whoever's running graphics or video, like I want them to be next to me because, um, if there's not a formal producer, uh, we need to, I need to be calling things. We need to be talking to each other and not having that, or even talking with the camera person, like that has always been so important to me. Uh, and so even if I'm, hopefully you've got comms and I can just talk to you that way. But even if I'm like harsh whispering (laughs) at you from across the booth, like having that and being able to hit cues together as a team makes the production seem so much more polished uh, than just having somebody just stop the Spotify uh, in the middle of the song. It's like, oh, if you just tell me you want it off, like I'll fade it down, then you can do whatever you want. Um, Or, hey, I'm about to do this or I'm about to take this cam. Can you bump this guitar up because I'm going to be zoomed in on them. Things like that. The not useful one that is probably just my own is like, I have to have like multiple beverages at all times. I don't know what my deal is. I like to have multiple drinks, obviously directly next to the console because that's where I'm at. Are these different kinds of drinks? Uh, Yeah. Is it like three Yeah, they're different kinds. It's not like two waters. (laughs) Is it all caffeinated? Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. It's not like, uh, I always have a water bottle with me because you got to stay hydrated. So water bottle, and almost always a cup of coffee. And then if I like come across either like a protein shake, that might be my meal um, because I don't want to eat too heavily in the morning before work. Um, or it might be like some juice that somebody offered me on the way in or whatever. It's like, it's a minimum. There's always two beverages. I've been known to have three or four just like hanging out and just cycling through them. That's a lot. It's also like a, almost like a, like a tick that is like, uh, it helps me stay focused and so I can be listening and I just grab it. I don't have to think about it. It's almost like the take a pause, like real quick. I take a sip and I'm okay and I'm focused. I don't know. That's just my thing. So <laughs> hydration and communication is what I heard. Ooh, I like Ooh, that. Yes. Yeah, your drinks yeah. are kind of- I should get a shirt. 
Hydration. You should. Hydration yeah. and communication. Yeah, I just Samir. trademarked that, so you're going to have to buy the rights to it before Shoot. you do it. I know. Shoot. Well, hang on. Let's trade that. I now realize, I don't know, that we can pay $1,000 every five minutes for this recording, so we'll just give her the trademark to that instead. I was hoping she was I mean, going to fix the iLive next time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Samantha, we really appreciate having you on. Is there anything you want to plug here at the end? I mean, you do so much. Oh, I'm sure gosh. you got something. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're not subscribed to Church Sound, it's free. We're bummed up to we're nine issues this year, which is going to be great. Um, and if listening is more of your thing, because you're listening to this podcast, I, I have my own, and I'm hoping that that you fine gentlemen will join me on it, uh, called the Church Sound Podcast with the Pro Sound Web Sound Network. So uh, check that out. Try to make it as educational as I can, having guests on and talking about things from money to communication. Uh, no hydration yet. Ah, uh, not yet. But uh, mixed buses. Yeah, like anything that might be you know, relevant to the House of Worship audio tech. So. Fun, fun. Well, we really appreciate having you on. No, thank you guys. Thanks for listening. And hey, congratulations on Surviving Sunday. If you happen to make it through next Sunday as well, join us again for your weekly tech breather. Blake, do you know where you most likely won't see a donut burger on the menu? The early service, my friend. That is correct. Because we don't do donuts on the early service. No, we do regular burgers, but not donut burgers. Exactly. We have the best gear on the early service. Why? Well, hang on. What if I want a donut burger? Can I get it and have the early service at the same time? You can, but you're going to have to get the donut burger somewhere else. Where'd you get it? Memphis? Uh, just south of Memphis in Mississippi. So if you're in Memphis, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, on Monday morning at 845, you can get the early service. Look at that, then eat your donut burger as you pick the best gear on the market. It's a great time. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke. That didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works.